by necessity in a way. I don't love it. You know what I mean? I'd yeah. rather like a like a workstation. Word. But you know. Well, cool. Well, if you need any help in the decision process, I love talking about hardware. Yeah. It's fairly depressing still at the moment. Like prices are down a little bit, but like Oh no, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's it's so like it's really disheartening to like get go so that also adds weight to the eGPU side, right? Because then it's like, well, (laughs) at least I'm only buying an enclosure and a graphics card. Nothing else, you know? (laughs) That's true. But still, you're paying this ridiculous premium based off of inflation. Like, because... Fake inflation. Because, yeah, exactly. Because people think that the average user thinks that they're going to make a bunch of money mining Bitcoin. And it's like, I hate to break it to you, but you're not. That that ship has sailed. Unless you have a giant, like, 5,000 square foot office and, I don't know, 20,000 GPUs. Also, those people uh, still have all those GPUs, creating scarcity, driving the pricing up further. So, and it's like you know, I'm not, I'm not going to buy a used GPU that was used for crypto mining. Like, oh, no, that man. thing's burnt. That thing yeah. is that thing's toast. That thing is ridiculous. So, I mean, my, I assume that there's going to be a crash. There's going to be like this awful like. So the the next phase of this is like, you know, I'm not saying a. Uh, uh, cryptocurrency crash i mean a, yeah, a no, graphics that, card that inflated price yeah. crash and 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 the market is going to be flooded with used gpus that suck <laughs> and like we're gonna have to go through that mess yeah until finally <laughs> hopefully uh a light and a peace will shine upon the land and we will get affordably priced graphics cards again. Yes, please. Hey, this is Colin. And this is Chris. And like finally being able to feel my feet again after PAX East, this is Shiny Podcast, following the light and throwing a little shade on the newest and brightest in today's gaming and technology. It was bad. It was real bad. The old dogs are barking. Oh, dude, the dogs were dead. They were just dead dogs. <laughs> here, here lies the dead dogs. Yes. <laughs> My cat was thrilled, but uh, no, they were dead. <laughs> Come Sunday, I couldn't even walk around properly. Looked like I was walking around on stumps. I didn't realize Pax was so deadly, was so dangerous for your for your average person. Like that you sounds have like no a... idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the habits of a desk job have not been kind to me. Mm. Mm. So you were at PAX East 2018, I, I assume, was. unless they use a different year. <laughs> well, this is actually PAX 2020. Interesting. That sounds yes. a lot more fun, actually. 
No, PAX East uh, 2018 uh, was this past weekend. It is a uh, uh, now a four day. It used to just be three days, but they added a fourth day this year. Uh, uh, gaming and uh, gaming of all varieties. So not just video games, but uh, tabletop and card games and uh, you know casual gaming as well. Convention. Uh, so it stands for Penny Arcade Expo. Um, and that was this past weekend in Boston. So, so where do they fun. have it? Hmm? Where do they have it? They have it at the BCECs, the Boston Convention and Expo Center, uh, I believe. Uh, it is in the Seaport District of Boston. Uh, very up and coming right now. Lots of fun restaurants and stuff. But it's, yeah, where they have the big convention center. Um, and it's huge. It's like, I don't know, if, uh, for anyone who's listening who's been to, uh, like, Comic-Con in New York, where I feel like the Javits Center is, like, a little more compartmentalized. The convention center at the BCEC is, like, it's just, it, it's like a giant uh, airplane hangar. Like, it's huge. And it's just giant big open room. Um with like these skywalks going across the middle of it. It's uh it's quite daunting if you look at it from a from above. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's a great description. <laughs> yes. So what wonderful in its capacity to fit so much stuff, but horrible in its capacity to fit so much so much stuff. stuff. <laughs> I don't know why I thought three days was going to be a good idea, but <laughs> I did at the time. And it uh, killed the dogs. It killed the dogs. But it was wonderful. It was so good. Um, I uh, I got to play lots of really cool video games. Um, of course, there are lots of um, you know indie indie game developers there. Lots of major like computer software and hardware manufacturers. So like AMD is always there. Um, trying to think uh other big so like twitch is is obviously really big because you know video game streaming so they have a huge mm -hmm. part of the floor uh nintendo uh blizzard had a really big booth this year um smaller companies like corsair um who do like computer hardware i mean and and everything in between i mean you name it it, it was it was there um so you get to talk to people who work at those companies and like yes yeah oh, that's really cool yeah do you have any uh do you, do you have any like stories from the floor or like any insight from 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 conversations with people yeah so um it was kind of cool to, to kind of get a sense of where some people especially the the indie game developers kind of where they were coming from a good chunk of them are from san francisco from silicon valley which which made sense um talked to mm -hmm. a couple people who were from toronto which was kind of cool um a game that i really enjoyed called uh below um which was which was uh, a cool game unfortunately you can only get it on microsoft or on the xbox which was a bummer to learn but it was a really cool game I'm trying to think um I mean, yeah, I, I had a bunch of kind of thoughts and and things that I found interesting, which I'm I'm happy to to dive into here. Um, yeah, not, let's, not, let's not necessarily related to video games. <laughs> no, I'm 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 kind of interested in 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 your uh, scope of this. I think it's a great way to 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 get into this episode this week. You know, yeah. this is a uh, there's there's good there's there's uh, there's news to talk about that we've been 
potentially putting off for a little while (laughs) that we are going to to cover today but uh, i'd like to sort of like get our pulse on some of the the happier things going on yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah why don't you dive in i'm uh while we're while we're jiving here i'm in, in vamping i've been looking at the uh site for uh the company that makes below i think this is a capybara games yep that's them mm-hmm. this is uh it seemed like a really cool kind of atmospheric um it's uh cool. iso- isometric in in its uh kind of view and uh the graphics like i love the shading it felt very dark and it basically just kind of drops you on this island and there's some sort of mystery to solve it's a it's like a pseudo survival uh type game so you do have to worry about things like hunger and thirst Mm. you 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 know you you have to take care of those those things and it's not always super obvious what you need to do. It's also it's a perma permadeath. So you your character does die, but you start again as a new character. But uh, the world does change based on the actions of the previous character that you played. Um, oh, that's interesting. And if you do find your 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 dead body, you do uh, you can pick up what was what was left behind, unless it was scavenged by something else. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting interesting way to go about it. That so is pretty not, cool. So it's a little a little Dark Soulsy in in that way, but not quite as intense. Yeah, and and it. Uh... I, I this is a a thing I'm seeing pop up more and more, especially in that like kind of game that like sort of like you know retro graphics look, you know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the people love their permadeath, you know. Yeah. It definitely <laughs> makes a game more challenging. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. And let's see. Oh, I probably one of my my biggest observations overall was just how present AMD was. Just. They were everywhere. Every system that you play tested games on, every you know, every booth that had uh, computer hardware or showing off like cases or other sort of bits of hardware that go into a computer, not necessarily the GPU or the CPU. It was all AMD. I didn't see NVIDIA or GeForce anywhere. I didn't see it once. Wow. It was all AMD, Radeon, etc. That's that's all I saw. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really cool. Uh, that was really cool to see. What do you think? Uh, they, they just like nail the exclusive rights to this event. And yeah. Just, they like, must go have, all in. in years Damn. past, that has not been the case. That's the thing. Um, oh, I bet they're spending quite a lot of uh, money in uh, advertising now with the GPP, which did we cover, by the way? I don't think we did. Well, we should probably do that. Yeah. Okay. We'll kick that to the later on in the episode. Okay. Right on. Uh, but um, that was really cool. Um, I noticed there were a fair amount of, I don't, I don't know what the, what the term is for it, but basically video game sections of larger companies. So like Amazon's game on or whatever it's called. Um, I think that's what it's called. Game on, um, mm-hmm. like, like Geico gaming, uh, Facebook gaming had a, had a booth like kind of these large companies sponsored 
gaming sections of of their kind of larger company there were a lot of well th- those were the major ones but i had never really seen that in in the past at, at pax to that that's degree. interesting i did find that interesting yeah what do you think that uh is about i think that the gaming industry i think people are really getting more into more and more into video games and people want to watch people play video games, especially with things like Fortnite and uh, PUBG or player um, player unknown battleground. Uh, you know, that, that kind of almost spectator sport, <laughs> you know, aspect of video games is becoming much more prevalent. And so you're able to sponsor that competitive gaming and you know esports. I mean, that's becoming really big now. And so I think that these larger companies want to get a want to get a piece of that pie because there's a lot of money there. And so I think that's what those companies are really there to do. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Like when, when like, like uh, uh, Facebook for instance, just like, or another like corporation that had like one of these like in-house, you know, development, you know, shops or whatever that split off. What would you say like the size of, of those booths were like, were they, you know, big and grandiose or were they actually just kind of one in a whole bunch of uh, companies vying for that? Like in, in the booth, ref, you know, smaller, I don't, I don't know. Like- sure. Um, Amazon's was more modest. Uh, theirs was, was a little on the smaller side mm-hmm. uh, in terms of floor print um, or f- footprint. <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, that's it. That Boston's out of the running for right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Facebook's and Geico's areas were much larger, especially Facebook's. So they, I think, were trying to maybe compensate for something. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I know that Amazon is definitely doing some development um, because I feel I think the Star Citizen folks are are working with Amazon now uh, with their gaming development. Uh, part of their company. I don't know if Geico is necessarily doing any sort of development. Um, that's to say that I just don't know. Uh, they, they very may well be, be doing so, but, um, and then Facebook, I mean, who knows, <laughs> who knows what they got their fingers into. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So just, just kind of an observation walking around. Um, but, but still, I mean, a huge part of the floor is dedicated to indie games, which is really cool. A really big part of the floor is dedicated to like tabletop and, uh, you know, you know, board games and, and magic, the gathering and other sort of tabletop gaming. Uh, I don't do a ton of tabletop, but I did play this really cool game called uh, X wing miniatures. And basically you set up these. So it's usually an X wing fighter versus two tie fighters. And it's, it's this tabletop space dogfight, basically, and it's turn-based, and there are all these like actions you can take, and um, and it, it was I don't know, it was a lot of fun to play. It was really cool. That's cool. Yeah, I so that's how to make that into a board game. That sounds kind of <laughs> I can't even imagine. No, it was really cool. Um, definitely recommend that one. And I noticed that there were at least five or six companies making those like racer, like computer gaming chairs. And every single one of them looked the same. <laughs> there was no variance at all uh, in those hideous, hideous chairs. 
I just found in, I don't know, there are like, yeah, at least six companies making the same product. Those they things look exactly that look like the they're, same. they look like they're out of, um, you know, like, like some like anime or something. They're just like crazy colors and yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But lumbar support. <laughs> but lumbar support. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, um, I, and just a lot more people this year. I mean, there's definitely a reason that they added the, the, the fourth day. There was just so many people. Uh, wow. It was really crazy. I mean, it's wow. always a crowded event. It's a popular event, but to just the level that it got to was just, yeah, it was nuts. Wow. That's, that's, uh, uh, the, the fact that this, you know, is now a four day event, I think is, um, I mean, it's growing obviously. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how, how big can these, can these events get? And it's funny. Cause like, I always, uh, thought PAX was sort of like, you know, sort of a more fringy one, one of these events, but yeah. it, it's seems like it's become pretty mainstream. Definitely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, no doubt about it at this point. Um, but, um, one, one other kind of fun thing that I, uh, I learned, um, not, uh, not last night, but the night before. So all of these, uh, all these booths and companies that come to PAX, they always have like raffles and giveaways, like, Hey, tweet your picture with this hashtag in front of our booth. We'll enter you to win a, a whatever, or here is the raffle ticket. Come back at X o'clock and, you know, we'll, we're raffling off all this stuff. And um, I, I usually try to uh, enter at least a few of them just because it's fun. Um, Heck, I, why not? Yeah, I got nothing to lose. None of it costs any money. Uh, it's just time. Um, and uh, I, I've never won anything. At, at, at any of these things in fact overall i don't like win those types of things i like don't have that like i don't win scratch tickets or raffles or giveaways or anything um i did win something this year really yes uh uh not a small thing either um i'm 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 really excited about it uh i won a an amd ryzen 7 1800x cpu what Dude, that's amazing. I'm so excited. Dude. <laughs> well, now you have to build a yes. new computer. <laughs> There's just like no way around it. Nope. Oh my gosh. Uh, I thought it was fake at first. Like I got, so I, 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 uh, they contacted me through my my Twitter because that's where I posted the the thing, and I almost dismissed the notification because I don't really pay attention to Twitter that often. But for I don't know for some reason I it it stood out a little bit more, and and there it was. Dude, that is so cool. Yeah, that is so cool. Okay, so which to say it again? The which which model did you get? <laughs> the Ryzen Seven eighteen hundred X. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it ain't no slouch no it isn't that is an eight core four gigahertz <laughs> like monstrous yes <laughs> oh my god that's awesome that's awesome okay well let's just take a few minutes and talk about your plans <laughs> yeah <laughs> so my plans have to be a little modest uh with with certain life life 
things going on that require a little bit more financial responsibility, but um but I'm sure. hoping to put something together. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Certainly mm. certainly before the necessary motherboard is discontinued. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the very call. least. Yeah. That's uh, a hell of a leg up. <laughs> That's on the next build. That's for sure. Yeah, man. Um, I can't believe it. Like, I just, I can't believe it. I was that so must have ex- felt like a million bucks. It really did. It really, really did. And especially it was like, it was like Sunday night. And it's like, I'd been having like a really fun few days, like going to PAX. And it's like, I'd taken time off of work. And it's like, all right, I have to go back to work on Monday. Womp, womp. And then get this, this message. And it's like, what? <laughs> that's so cool. Oh, that's so cool. This man, I am, I am more than a little jealous. This is, this is <laughs> amazing. These are like the, the chips to have right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't buy a new GPU. Apparently, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, we'll see what I do about that. But um, no, this is super exciting. Yeah, so that is cool. Well, that. congratulations, PAX East 2018. Quite the success for you. Absolutely. But most most importantly, it was really cool to hang out with with the the folks that I usually go with. Um, so it's our, our our mutual friend John Grandy. Um, I don't know if you. You oh yeah you you must know uh, Brian um oh yes oh yep. yes um he goes and then uh, one of John's friends Dean yeah it's just fun to hang out with those guys for a few days it's always better with friends yeah oh and my brother in law came up as well uh, with some of his friends so it was cool to see him albeit briefly <laughs> Aww, that's great yeah that's great that's great mm-hmm. well uh. I think that's a, a pretty a pretty wonderful tale from 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 Pax. Do you got you got anything else to to add to the add to the record? No, I think that's it. I did take some some little snippets of audio, just some fun little like, hey, what are you doing, and what are you looking forward to, and that sort of thing, um, which I'll oh, probably cool. put put together and release as maybe a tiny shiny at some point um, when you know put, have have that in the bank um, sooner rather than later, so that it's not completely irrelevant. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Good idea. Yeah. Good yeah. idea. Oh, well, I look forward to that. Yes. A little theater of the mind. That's right. Well, with that, I'll, I'd say uh, covered and uh, with a beautiful eight core fork stuck right <laughs> in it. Octacore. How about we hop on to the news? Okay, let's let's do it. <laughs> So low, so low, <laughs> so low. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't have the kindest review of the most recent Star Wars movie, but that doesn't mean that the <laughs> insatiable ten year old inside of me is uh, upset or in any way sour for the next Star Wars movie. I'm pretty excited, honestly. Now that we're seeing trailers uh, come out, I think it has a potential of not being horrible i don't know but i think we're just gonna uh make sure that you get a link directly the new trailer in case you want to see it because uh it looks pretty fun i'll say it It looks fun it looks like i don't know like 
yeah, a good, a good old heist movie, like set set in space in the Star Wars universe. I mean that that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the more I've reflected on it, the more I have um, really appreciated Rogue One for it just being just like this contained cool story just set in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, man, for sure. No, I I really enjoyed Rogue One. Um, yeah, for 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 a lot of that reason. But um, yeah, man, I'm I'm excited, and I actually t- totally forgot that it's coming out on May 25th. I totally fell off my radar. Um, so it's a, it a nice surprise. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh snap, a new Star Wars movie. Okay, here we go. Okay, <laughs> feels like we just did this, but. <laughs> Sure, why not? Yeah, right on. So watch the trailer. Looks pretty fun. I'm 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 looking forward to that. Next on our list of news articles. Yes, this is this is just a goofy little thing that I saw looking around. Um I can't really read a lot of the article because it keeps telling me to remove my ad blocker, which I refuse to do. But scientists have figured out a way to make diamonds in your microwave. No longer relegated to heating up your lava pockets. Your microwave can now make diamonds. That sounds like fun. Where can I get this? Is this part of a Dr. Dreadful set? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, no. Um, so you probably can't do this with your average microwave. However, uh, the the microwave that these scientists have been using, what, what they've been doing is placing a tiny fragment of a diamond or a carbon seed in a microwave with varying amounts of carbon heavy gas. And this results in a diamond with the exact structure and chemical composition as the diamond um, or as a naturally uh, occurring diamond. And in a, uh, in a market that is uh, heavily inflated due to very controlled uh, stock and, and release as well as conflict diamonds, it's uh, the, the demand for this type of lab grown diamond is on the rise and this is just a new way that they are figuring out to do it that is amazing actually yes. that is really really cool i hope it totally uh upends and dethrones every shitty diamond harvesting company in the world because yes. uh that would be a net positive for humanity I would say. yes dethrone de beers <laughs> dethrone de beers not de bears not the bears. The beers. Have beers. Yes. Have, have bears. Have the beers. And well, <laughs> not at the same time, <laughs> if possible. If you can help it, which I know is hard. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Woo. <laughs> that was a little silly. I'm that, was. that was a little silly. So, do you like DNS? <laughs> no, nobody likes DNS. Nobody uses that. All right. 
DNS, uh, otherwise known as the Domain Name System. Uh, basically, uh, uh, if you if you are not aware, um, not familiar, a DNS is kind of like the um, kind of like the address book of the internet. Would, yeah. would you say that's a? Yeah, I'd say so. It's a. It's a. Yeah, totally. It's the way that we resolve the names of sites and domains that we visit into the uh, actual IP address that so, it's, so that it's at. So you're not you're not trying to navigate to a series of numbers that you have to that you have to memorize. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, that, how how much would it suck to have to be like, okay, I just gotta, you know, check the news. So let me put in, you know, uh, twenty seven uh, dot four two dot eleven dot one twelve. Okay, here we go. Shit, this is Pornhub <laughs> again. Gosh, again, doing that. God, not again. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also the universal pain in the ass because nine <laughs> times out of ten, if something's broken in your system, it's probably DNS somehow. I don't know why. There's just <laughs> gremlins in it. Tim Berners Lee says that it's the uh, you know the 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 Achilles heel of the internet in a sense. It's it's the one thing that like you know isn't just isn't really isn't really foolproof. <laughs> it's, it's gotta it's gotta be right. Anyway, uh, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. So uh, Cloudflare, uh, a company whom, uh, depending on who you ask, is either uh, an effective tool for minimizing uh, risk of uh, DDoS attacks on the internet uh, for uh, good citizens and companies, uh, or a evil business model to route the entirety of internet through uh, companies' private servers. Um. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's... Uh... That's quite a ravine between viewpoints. I don't know, man. Life seems strange lately. Maybe it's both. Yeah. The, right <laughs> the uh, new service announced by them on April 1st was at first not uh, believed by many of the gotcha. community because well. <laughs> it was April 1st. But no, it is true. Cloud fillet. Cloud fillet. Cloud fillet. Cloud fillet. Mon frere. <laughs> Cloudflare has announced a new public DNS service at 1.1.1.1, which is one of the coolest properties on the internet for sure. Oh, for sure. And the fact that they released it on April 1st. I mean, no wonder people thought it was a joke. <laughs> right. It was like, really? Come that was on, good. What are you doing? But here's the kicker. So I know a lot of people... Uh, geeks especially have, you know, gotten into their routers and changed the, the DNS servers from like their crappy ISPs DNS to maybe Google's DNS that uh, uh, is, is at 8.8.8.8. Um, I'm also reminded of uh, the uh, images from um, back during the Arab Spring in Tunisia when they were spray painting the Google DNS servers on the uh, in public places. So people mm -hmm. would know uh, how to be how to, you know, uh, uh, get effectively of dialed their, out yeah. of their of their, you know, uh, network in the country. So it's like it, it can be um, a pretty game changing experience, uh, <laughs> depending on how it's you, 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 you configure yourself. See what I'm trying to say there? Anyway, yes. <laughs> it's, it's kind of important. Um, so the really interesting thing about this new DNS service is that your requests are encrypted the entire time. 
little known fact, but when you mash something into your browser, a little unibar up there at the top of the screen, and even if it ends in a .com or a .net or a .whatever, .tech, <laughs> you ask a server a question, and that question is fairly public. Yeah. <laughs> by all of the hops in between. So by having an encrypted DNS service, they've obfuscated the one of the last um, sort of holdouts of, of, of uh, information that can be collected about you just passively um, in the encryption chain. Right on. Very cool. In in your in your you know the chain of events that that you 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 know go through when you're browsing like now more if not most of it if not all of that is encrypted the entire way if you use this service of course right right how would you change this so it's actually something that you can do in your uh, browser if you want deep in the Chrome or Firefox settings. And I'm not really aware of any other browsers than those two, are you? <laughs> nope, none, none whatsoever. No, me neither. Um, oh, and Brave. I love Brave, actually. So <laughs> I got to plug Brave. But deep in the settings, there is a way to change your uh, DNS uh, in that browser so that when you make requests, it will uh, ping that service if you want to test it out. Of course, most uh, routers, even crappy ISP-provided Consumer home Wi-Fi router combo units it will allow you to do that as well. So if you want it to um, happen on your network, uh, uh, to if you want you know to to spread the benefits to your local network, you can do it that way as well. Right on, very cool. I grabbed this article. Because I think it's it's an interesting thing. At this point, there's been several companies trying to do this very thing. And Samsung thinks they have uh, the solution to the age-old promise of desktop mobile convergence. Mm, interesting. So it, what is the name of this Samsung product? This thing is called the DeX. D-E-X. And it's this cradle thingamajigger that you put your Galaxy S9 or higher, ostensibly, into, and it turns your phone to a desktop uh, operating system that powers a screen and a keyboard and a mouse and all of those things that you would expect a desktop uh, to have. Oh, right on. So it connects to a monitor and runs... Okay, so it runs Android Android OS. Um, Interestingly enough, what it does is it creates a little tiny Linux environment yeah. using the same kernel uh, that the uh, Android OS will, will, is using, but uh, in its own sort of containered environment. And on top of that, they built their desktop. Interesting. So my understanding is they've done a lot to refine that desktop experience to make it sort of on par with what you would expect from mm -hmm. a, uh, a mainstream operating system. And I believe uh, you can run certain Android apps in that environment. 
So uh, it, it, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting uh, move to be sure. Now, of course, here's the thing: it only works with one phone. Every single one of those docks cost one hundred dollars. So, if I'm not mistaken, if you want to have the convergence experience, at the very least, you have to buy two of them, right? Mm. One for wherever you go in the day, and one for wherever you sleep at night. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, the screens and the peripherals and all of that. So it's kind of a large buy-in. Never mind the phone, which a Galaxy S9 is, you know, getting close to $1,000. So, um... I don't know, man. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Is this uh, cool? Is it is it lame? Is it ridiculous? Um, is it I don't. I don't think it's ridiculous. I, I think I'm thinking of it more, not not so much on a everyday consumer perspective, but maybe more on a kind of enterprise business perspective. Maybe this mm-hmm. is uh, kind of the first step in the direction of, you know, you. Uh, you you go to work and maybe you don't necessarily have to do all of that work on a, a you know traditional tower PC. Maybe some of this work can be done on this smaller footprint w- workstation. Basically, you know you would have to have a smaller footprint for your employees. They can be a little bit more mobile. Um, that's kind of what I'm thinking. So I, I think that it might be an interesting step in that direction. Do I think it's the silver bullet? No, but. <laughs> Um, I, I, I don't know. It's hard to say without like touching it, you know, without, yeah, that's true. Feeling how it works and its connectivity and what you can actually do with it. But on the surface, I mean, I think it could be the step in uh, a new direction. I, uh, am going to take the totally opposite opinion. Actually, I think, I think this is pretty dumb ultimately. (laughs) And, and not because I don't, you know, I mean, I'd love to see a Linux based, you know, solution in some capacity put forth by a major company like Samsung and have it like blow things out of the water. But I don't think it will. And and, and the reason why is because um, there's been a lot of failure in this arena before. Sure. Specifically, the one that comes to mind is Microsoft. Uh, you know, that was supposed to be a feature of the Windows 10 phone operating system, the ability to take your phone and plug it into different screens and have it converge and, you know, rearrange applications based on the uh, computing paradigm that you happen to be using at the time. That was all part of the promise. But um, as we reported on a little bit ago, uh, Windows Phone doesn't exist anymore. Right. (laughs) So there's that. Canonical, the makers of Ubuntu, uh, also uh, failed at this. Um, Trying to make a uh, Ubuntu phone that was properly convergent. Yeah, but to... those those two companies made bad phones. So I, I don't know, maybe I'm not saying that this is going to be a blockbuster piece of technology, mm. but I, I do wonder if they will be more successful because the phone part of it is more mainstream. And and that's a good point. That's a I'm, good point. I'm sorry for anyone who is a diehard fan of the Windows phone, but it didn't gain much traction. <laughs> not as much as not as much as like major phone manufacturers like LG or Samsung or Apple, et cetera. Fair enough. And, and I mean, it's not like, you know, the Sam Samsung's phones are, uh, I mean, this is their flagship. This is the galaxy, right. you know, this yeah. is, this is, you know, that's a very good point. Oh, 
how is this better than <laughs> like a really lightweight, thin client laptop that you distribute to your employees and a totally virtualized, maybe like AWS uh, virtualized uh, uh, desktops for everybody that they just like remote into. And that's it's all done on something like AWS. Sure. I, I wouldn't say it is better um, than, than something like that. Mm. Yeah. I guess but there is a who you're talking to like it, it, it is the appeal that I mean, this is, you know, m mon monkey work. Take this little tablet and plug it into this thing and it works. Uh, I don't know. Like maybe there's an appeal to that for for some people. I suppose there's always going to be a need to have some effects that are not like elsewhere, right. <laughs> you know, and, and maybe this is that, I don't know. Looked interesting. Uh, we'll see if it, if it goes anywhere, but they are going to launch in May and they're going to be a hundred bucks extra for each dock right to on. the galaxy S nines. Is it o Oregon, Oregon? Oh, Reagan. Reagan. <laughs> oh, Reagan. Oh, Reagan. <laughs> 2018's newest sitcom. Oh, Reagan. Horrible. I'm not watching. <laughs> so Oregon has finalized the uh, net neutrality law, despite the high likelihood that they are going to be sued by by ISPs. So brave. So brave. So brave. No, truly. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this um, bill was announced on Friday, uh, I believe, and that uh, would be signed. I think it was signed yesterday by uh, Governor Kate Brown. And uh, uh, basically, uh, sorry, it is the second state to, to pass a net neutrality law like this. And essentially what it what it says is that if you are going to do business in the state of Oregon and you are an ISP, you must abide by those net neutrality laws to to do business here. Sounds like it's got some teeth. I like the way I like the approach. Once again, uh, you know, hit him, hit him in the pocketbook. Yeah, exactly. And of course, the broadband lobby is screaming that they're going to sue everybody. Oh, are they not liking this? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> not one bit. I'm One so day. surprised. Yeah. <laughs> and so do we, we do expect a lawsuit uh, to, to be inbound at any moment, I assume. I would imagine so. Um, unless they address that specifically in this article. Um, no, I think they, they pretty specifically are, uh, are, are looking forward to the fight. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this is scheduled to take effect uh, next year, early next year on January 1st, 2019 in, in Oregon. Well, we shall see what uh, battle it goes through until then. But hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, as we've discussed before, now they've got a, a game of whack-a-mole to, to go after. Now they're going to have all of these different states putting up their little laws and being a much bigger pain in the ass than if they had simply relented. You know what? Yep. Good. 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 I Good. agreed. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Anything that makes Comcast's life worse certainly as miserable as they've made their customers. <laughs> yeah. Funny thing. 
I got an alert uh, the other day that the uh, they were doing an upgrade, and all of a sudden, <laughs> my internet didn't work from midnight until five in the morning. Oh my god! Which is fine, uh, unless you're up all night. Right. Um, <laughs> so there was that. Typical. Comcast. Comcast. <laughs> I wanted to drop this one in right at the end because I uh, thought it was just kind of cool. If you guys have been uh, following gaming on Linux and over the last couple years, there's been uh, some high drama, really. I mean, it's always it's it, it's it's the truth. It's quite the tale. Um, a little while ago, I think a week or two, I'm not sure if we covered it, but there was this uh, update to the Steam client that removed steam machines from the um the application that you could like browse and look which isn't really surprising to anybody who's been paying attention but it, it set off a, a, a small shit show with people freaking out about it <laughs> um making great accusations about valve no longer committing to blah 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 you know i mean you can imagine <laughs> what, the, what, it, what it all sounded like right <clears throat> so the uh, uh, company, the good people at Valve, came out and and said that they're um, they're still working on it. They're really uh, basically they're zeroing in on Vulcan as the best bet for anybody to be independent of Microsoft and DirectX in the future. Right on. Um. I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm putting the next announcement, the next news in a, in a context just to, to bring everybody up on, up to speed. So anyway, that's um, there. This that's that sort of, you know, put down the uh, most recent, you know, mini firestorm around people sort of freaking out about having not really had news about gaming on Linux and what Valve was doing with with the whole Steam OS and Steam Machine thing. Leaving uh, Linux gamers in a place where they are feeling like potentially like second class citizens, right? <laughs> and in comes uh, Feral Interactive, a company that's done a lot of ports to Linux of popular games. Um, I think they did uh, like the Bioshock port, which was really, really good. Um, and they've done a bunch of them. And they recently released a little thing called Game Mode. Now, game mode is a tool that is designed to help improve your gaming performance on Linux. And what it does is it creates these little situations and environments where it will on demand throttle and tweak the parameters of your CPU to give you the best performance for a particular game. Mm -hmm. It's like this just like real time optimizer kind of kind of thing. Right on. Very cool. Yeah, and people are saying that they're getting like huge performance gains, like a good like twenty percent in some cases. Wow. That are just like this immediate jump in performance. That's great. Yeah, it's really cool. So in light of some dejected Linux gamers out there, you know, feeling like the, the world was moving on from the dream, I just wanted to let you know that you can get this tool from Feral, which is up on GitHub. That has all the instructions you need to uh, get it running on your system. But you can go and grab that and get yourself about a fifth better performance across the board just to, you know, brighten your day. Right on. Very cool.
<laughs> that's it for the news, and if that's all you're here for, go ahead and turn us off, or stick around for our deep dive, guaranteed. We will be back next week, latest and the greatest, and sometimes the hated in gaming and technology. Look us up on ShiningPodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the latest shows and check out whatever else we're cooking up for you. Download the Shiny Podcast and all your favorite pod-catching applications. If you want to say hi or make a suggestion, send us a hot tip maybe on some tech news. Why don't you visit ShinyPodcast.com slash contact, fill out that form, or just email us. Hello at ShinyPodcast.com. All right. Okay, so this thing that we've been—we got a little—we got a little issue. <laughs> just a little one, or eighty-seven million little issues. We're going to talk about Facebook tonight, folks. We're going to talk about Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and how that whole thing worked. We're going to break it down. And at the end of this, you're not going to leave with warm and fuzzies. I'm just going to tell you right at the top, you're not going to feel good. Yep. So if, if you store them away, I think we've done a good job of having a fairly jovial episode up until this point. Um, if your goal is to feel good, stop listening <laughs> right now, because um, this is sort of needs to be covered. Uh, and, and one more disclaimer, we're gonna do our best to, you know, just stick to the facts of what happened. It's an intriguing story without going into the, um, some of the more politically charged, uh, uh, parts of this. It's just a report about how much information these companies have on all of us and whether we want them to or not. And how other companies and entities can use these systems of surveillance to do fairly incredible things. So. So. You have probably by now heard the name Facebook. No, uh, Cambridge Analytica, uh, which is a political consulting firm. And and so yeah, what, what we're kind of going into is is how how they are tied to Facebook, and and what well what everyone is so upset about with with the use of of this this user information. I don't know where you want to start here. Do we want to start with the history of Cambridge Analytica and go from there, or uh, I think we should do a quick. Um, timeline. Or? Yeah, let's do a timeline, but let's let's start with it with just a little um rundown of Facebook itself. Okay, sure. So Facebook primarily is an advertising platform, and we say that, but I feel like the difference in how it works is lost on a lot of people because not everybody has tried to use those tools available to. Uh, in Facebook, if you have a page versus a, a, a an account, right? It's like a, a business or a, a band or, or, you or know, podcast. podcast. <laughs> it's a different kind of uh, location on Facebook. It's a different entity, right? And so available to you are all of these 
what they call boosting tools to take your posts and target them to people uh, based on a really uh, a very detailed set of parameters that give you that you can use to really narrow down your target. Okay, um, geographic tools uh, to like you know ways of targeting you know types of people uh, you know whether they're they're guys or girls or they're you know. Uh, into food or not and you know i mean it's just like think of a parameter you can basically target by it okay and of course this costs money if you've seen it a lot you're you you, you i think you start to realize how b baked into the fabric of facebook this is and it gives you a sense of uh, i think how your feed is really constructed right mm -hmm. it in a lot of cases is uh a, a list of the highest bidders okay <laughs> so when you use facebook and populate all of its forms and 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 you know uh you, you interact with things and you like and you, and or dislike or add angry face or whatever <laughs> comment <laughs> you're creating a very unique fingerprint, a very unique data set, right? And it is through those actions that Facebook is able to to put you through their their crazy algorithm and figure out they log attributes about you and figure out what you're going to, you know, like based on that. And they're very good at it. I think we covered this a little bit a while ago. Um probably. <laughs> but but I think it's important to just sort of like just talk about how Facebook's business model works. Yeah, right. So on. that so that you know we can see what what uh, you know where why this happened. Yeah. So right, and as you know, as you mentioned, and and to kind of highlight, you know, f f you don't have to pay any money to use Facebook, but the fact of the matter is, is that I mean, they're a multi-million at least uh, dollar dollar company. Oh, we're in the billions. billions. Bus. I mean, I, I I didn't want to assume. <laughs> when um, when this, I think it's worth noting when this was all going down in the matter of about ten days, Mark Zuckerberg personally lost the entire net worth of the entire the equivalent of the entire net worth of the Tesla Corporation, like in ten days. It's bananas. Yeah, that's so the, the, that's the scale of wealth we're dealing with here. Right. So, the, the, sorry, the, this is all to say that um, you know, but besides my total inability to to fathom just how much money is being thrown here, it's to say that you know your your use of Facebook doesn't cost anything to sign up, but that profit comes from somewhere, um, and it's and it's in the information that gets collected about you when you're using Facebook. Not that we don't know that. No, that's not a that's not a news. I mean, that's that's. But the I really... think fairly obvious at this point. Um, I hope you know that Facebook does that at this point, along with lots of other social media applications. Well, I think that this story has taken hold because I think it, for the first time, has awakened people to the depth of knowledge. Just how far it goes. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's the that's the the real. Um, difference with this story oh agreed <laughs> and it so, goes it goes deep folks so okay 
let's go uh let's go to the recent history books colin okay let's let's start with i i guess who cambridge analytica is are whatever um so as mentioned they're a political consulting firm based in the uk they but before they were cambridge analytica they were actually called strategic um communication laboratories group or the scl group uh, they were founded in the early to mid 90s by a man named nigel oaks uh, and it was um, a messaging and pr firm that did work for governments politicians military uh, militaries around the world and basically what the service that they offered was essentially to say we are really good at collecting big data analyzing that data and providing what's called psychographic profiling basically targeted <laughs> that word makes me laugh i know it's so ridiculous uh, <laughs> uh just uh, uh targeted um propaganda campaigns advertising uh whatever it may be to to destable the opponent of the person who hired SCL in the first place, basically. So say you are um, running for governor of, of a region in, in India and, and you want to you want to throw the, the balance in your favor and you you would hire these folks to get uh, gather data about your well, not only about your opponent, but what um, what people are looking at, where they're looking for things in their day-to-day -day lives, and then you might target ad campaigns and propaganda to those people to get to maybe even change their minds. Um, so that's that's kind of what what they were about in in a nutshell. And feel free to jump in if, if I'm no, I think that's that's a, a very good description of 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 them and 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 their pitch. Okay, they began to work uh, in. Uh, I believe early 2016 with the uh, Trump ad or organ uh, admit no sorry they weren't in administration yet they began to work in 2016 with <laughs> members of the campaign in this sort of like weird sort of like shoulder rubbing scratch your back kind of way okay so it wasn't like necessarily like directly like you know some big wig would walk in and be like okay we're doing this you know though um if you if you kind of follow that whole you know scene of money and, and all of that you'll probably recognize some of the names like robert mercer is is in here uh he's a guy who threw a bunch of money to um the scl group which became cambridge analytica and all of this is to say that um there are there's a lot of money ties in Involved with people who kind of want to see a particular political uh, uh, view um, win. Okay, <clears throat> so they began to work uh, with the Trump campaign through Mr. Steve Bannon, and the product that they were to deliver was this sort of change effect. Okay. Now, it is worth noting at this point that it's not entirely in all of this. We have no idea how effective it was or 
would there be a way to measure that? Okay. So please keep that in mind as we go forward. But there is no way to really understand how much of an effect this really had, right? Because right. you measure you measure by difference. So what's especially nefarious about what Cambridge Analytica did was really just getting a access to a, a backdoor that existed, a loophole, if you will, but that had been exploited by quite a few people before. Okay. What they did was they were able to gain access to a special kind of educational quote unquote account where somebody who, who was allegedly vetted by workers at Facebook, a, a professor, somebody in academia, they're like, you're able to get these, these special accounts that let you sort of usurp the permission systems that are set up in, in terms of Facebook's, um, you know, content, the, what you, what you put on there. And, and everybody knows like it is a pain in the ass to keep up with all of the changes Facebook rolls out and they always redefault you to sharing all of your information. Right. It's, it's, it's maddening, but through this special educational account, they crafted a quiz. Okay. And this quiz was a sort of an, a, a, a political affiliation quiz. It just asked you some basic questions about things. So the, the idea was not necessarily to like use it in particular to scrape a bunch of information. The scrape came as people acquiesced to take this quiz. It would pull in not just the information of the quiz taker, but because of the sort of special case of this type of account that they had access to. All of their friends and and all the data from from all their Facebook friends. Right. The entire their entire network of 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 friends would also have their entire uh, information you know, profile pulled in. So very quickly, they were able to escalate this thing to from 300,000 to 50 million initially, and then up to 87 million, nearly 90 million people, 90 million people, 300,000 to no, almost 90 million. This includes all of your, uh, all of your preferences, all of your, you know, your picture, all of your posts, and most importantly, all of your likes. Now, this company claims to be able to know, I believe the quote goes something like, at 100 likes, we know you better than your best friend. At 300 likes, we'll know you better than your spouse ever will. Because of the way that they're able to, you know, they claim, plot human behavior against your, you know, declared preferences they they think they know how to generate content to manipulate that psychological profile mm -hmm. and that's what they did they took this database of 87 million people and by the way that's just in you know in in the US in potentially in play um you know there's in 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 the election like there's a lot more outside of the country too 
Correct. But, yeah. Um, what what happened next was uh, Cambridge Analytica bought bought this this information from this this uh, um, uh, American researcher whose name was Alexander Kogan. Um, and so they they bought that information for about eight hundred thousand dollars. That's cheap. And, yeah, <laughs> dirt cheap for the the preferences and social media activity of at least 87 million people in the United States. <laughs> That's uh, dirt, dirt cheap. What, what happened uh, ap- after that is that Cam- Cambridge Analytica uh, took that information and used it to target um, advertisements and information to certain politically uh, charged or politically oriented um, direction. So if you're scrolling through your, your Facebook feed, you might see something that's uh, affiliated in a certain way with a certain point of view, uh, instead of seeing something else or seeing other options. And they use that information to make those targeted, uh, that targeted information show up on your Facebook feed. And it's quite manipulative too. It's, it's, you know, they'll, they'll do in, they'll inflame you with these, you know, with this information as well as like reinforce you. And that's all, you know, sort of part of the, part of the system, you know, the, the idea that they're, they're, they're so granularly able to target individuals and match them with content that they think they can like change their behavior. Correct. And, and so of course, I mean, not only is this just so, so creepy, <laughs> but it, it does, you know, raise, it raises quite a few questions. I mean, one of them did this person who created this, this quiz and, and this application, did he have Facebook's permission to, to do this? Uh, I think the general consensus is that generally speaking, yes, he, he did. Um, and so that obviously raises a lot of questions about how complicit Facebook is. And we'll get to that obviously in a little bit, but um, don't pretend that these types of accounts are particularly hard to come by. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and even if they are like, that means that, you know, just think about what Facebook has on the inside. Right. And so Facebook is, is claiming that, that this person lied to them um, saying that, the claim was that the data was for research purposes and he violated the company's policies by then passing that data to Cambridge Analytica. Um, however, I, I have, I, I, I believe <laughs> that uh, this, this person, Alexander Kogan probably was well within his rights to, to, to do it and probably had permission from Facebook. And I don't think that Facebook had the, I don't think they had the foresight to, to really know what they were agreeing to. Which well, is, they're probably, or maybe if, they they're, did, if they anything, they're, they they're probably it. just upset they didn't get their cut. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, right. so why do we know about Cambridge Analytica? In one of the coolest undercover operations, I think, we have seen a group of people working for Channel 4 News at uh, BBC posed as a Sri Lankan oligarch trying to sway an election and courted Cambridge Analytica and caught 
some several high level executives on camera recorded them and 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 they admitted or acted like <laughs> they admitted <laughs> to some incredibly heinous shit things like things like you know employing all of the L companies so that it's in- impossible to trace what you're doing um you know uh, in, on the subject of like how to make bad things happen for for politicians, and you know, one effective way being to send uh, Ukrainian hookers to their property, because even if um, you know, even if they don't interact with them at all, uh, they still there were still Ukrainian hookers at his property. So right, you know, that's... or pic- pictures of maybe maybe attempting to bribe them, and even if they did denied the bribe, it's it's a picture showing some some money attempting to be changed hands, that sort of thing. Just really awful shit, like yeah. you know, <laughs> just really dirty tactics, right? That these executives claim to be able to provide. Yeah. So that, coupled with um, a leak of the, this information by a former employee, you know, some of the the, the data surrounding it created this entire sh- uh, firestorm. Because I think it showcases the level of detail that that Facebook maintains on you. The reason that Cambridge Analytica was able to target ads like this was the the the, the tools for for zeroing in on a potential audience for a piece of content are great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous the level of detail that that they can get i remember what the facebook story where we talked about this yeah recently it was when uh they were uh it was when you were able to um find really uh groups of uh incredibly uh activist racist people uh through their preferences do you remember that yes i do yeah so granular are these uh search options (laughs) for targeting ads (laughs) So I think I think it's it's an odd situation from my perspective, right? Because this is not really news. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sh- shady political consulting firm is shady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, a, a data Hoover advertising company siphons up all of your data like you know what what changed what's the what's the difference because this is fire and people are fired up about this yeah so i i mean from a personally speaking i mean i think that the big difference is that there's some speculation that this was used to sway uh, a, a, an election, a major election, the the, the presidency, <laughs> and, yeah. and how that connects to, and and again, uh, this this is not coming from a here are my politics. This is just these are the concerns. Did a foreign government use this information and this method to sway an election in another country? In another country, I think. At least personally, that's that's why I'm real fired up about it. But um, yeah, it's the line. It's the line that that 
I guess we, we finally found that place where people, you know, it's, it, it, it was fine before it was, it was fine before, yeah. you know, but now like that we realize that we have such a, an ability to target because we've given up so much data to these companies. It really feels uncomfortable, doesn't it? Yeah. To feel it's, like you, it's possible that, you know, you, you were targeted individually. You know, and again, regardless of whether or not it really had an, eff an effect, like, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm not sure we'll ever know the answer to that. No, but it, it was, a, this, but it was it, attempted. Right, 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 right. At the very least. You know, it still doesn't feel good to know that you potentially have been manipulated. Nope, that generally speaking falls into does not feel good territory. <laughs> And even if you actually haven't, even if it had no effect on you, it doesn't feel good to know that the that there are forces that are actively trying, and they're you and 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 what's worse is the perfect tools have been developed for them to do so. And I mean, we shouldn't just shit on Facebook because you know. There's a lot of companies that hoover up a lot of data, oh, suck yeah. up as much as possible. You know, like Google, Google, <laughs> Microsoft. Some people think of data as the the it's as more valuable than money these days. That the the insights and the power that that data gives you are so much more valuable than any cash. Mm -hmm. We've talked about people who think that. You know, um, we've talked about uh, people being worried about your microphone, like Facebook listening to you when you're on your phone. For a long time, for a long time, I always said their algorithms are so good they don't need to. <laughs> it's true. You know, and yeah. that, remain, that remains true. But it turns out they're also doing that. <laughs> They've got it all, baby. They're doing anything they can get away with. Any any like hole in the permission system of a a version of an operating system. Any you know, in, you know, trick they can they can do. Like they there's there's no there's no respected edge. There's no you know certainly no regulation. There's nothing that says they can't, mm -hmm. and we agree to it. Yeah, we no, agree to it. We give them, yeah, we we give them the keys to that castle when you sign up for these services. There is nothing, nothing that says we have to do it, and it's that's the, I think the really icky, the ickiest part of it all is that like when when you really look in the mirror, right? If I have been manipulated, if I have allowed myself to 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 you know fall fall prey to some sort of you know distortion of reality because of of use of these of this service then i mean i feel really stupid <laughs> <laughs> right like i feel like stupid and that's probably and the, and I, I i strangely have a lot of sympathy i suddenly because it's like <sighs> integration of technology has vastly outpaced most people's understanding of it. And 
while I think it's important to, to, to learn all your life, it's just outside of a lot of people's understanding how these yeah. systems really work. And they're so designed to hook you in to, to fuel your pleasure center when you get likes and stickers and all that stuff. <laughs> it's, it's insidious. It's truly insidious. I think we've talked before the stickiest part of Facebook, you know, I mean, besides the fact that you can share pictures and posts, I mean, there's a lot of places in the, internet now you can do that kind of thing right mm -hmm. but it's the events right that's what i think yeah no agreed and i mean for yeah yeah seems to be the real actual feature that everybody sticks around for is organizing of events yeah what if i don't know created a separate platform to do just that well, I'm sure they exist. I mean, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of there's a calendar. <laughs> no. There's email. I don't, I don't know. want. I do not want to have to personally reach out to somebody to invite them to something. That's ridiculous. We've really begun to treat what is a private product as something of a commons. You know, as a society, as a culture, yeah. we, we treat, we have, we've embraced these tools, these forms, but we use them as though it was the town square. Mm -hmm. And in reality, it's not. It's a Big Mac and baby, you're the cheese. <laughs> All right, that was a heavy one, folks. But thank you so much for listening. Uh, check us out on Twitter, at KaliAli11 or at Fluxola. That's uh, me. Stay away from Facebook. Don't check us out there. And uh, yeah. go to our website, shinypodcast.com. Email hello at shinypodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Keep, keep your chins up, folks. It's not all bad news. We'll, uh, we'll be back next time with maybe happier news uh, in the tech world and gaming. Then again, maybe we won't. Maybe we won't. If you got to get yourself back into a better mood, you could always go to the iTunes store and rate us really high and you know, leave a comment about how much you love the show or something like that. If you got to spread a little joy in the world. Yeah, those five stars will fix the world. You can tell your friends about the show. You can, you can ask us on Twitter to, to make more t-shirts. And I bet yeah, we, we would. these sweet t-shirts, which... Uh, for you folks who did ask for one, they are in. So get yourself a t-shirt by bugging us all the time. Please Tell everyone. Us.